Well, brothers and sisters, you're about to find out that the reputation very often is not matched up by meeting the man. And uh, it's a real pleasure to be with you here today. It took me 27 hours to get here, and that included 12 hours in a maximum security correctional facility that you call Newark International Airport. <laughs> a lot of fun that was. Now, this might not be reciprocal in any way, um, but I'm pleased to see you all this morning um, because it did take me such a long uh, time to get here. I've had three hours sleep, so seriously, if I am rubbish, I have no problem in you having your own conversations. I don't have any problem with you falling asleep. I don't have any problem with you walking back out. I just ask that you come back in for Margaret because she's had plenty of sleep and I understand she's going to be really good. So don't have, worry about anything at all this morning. And before I start, I've got a couple of disclaimers. The first one is that I am English. That's it. And number two is that I have to say to my lovely wife, darling, if you can interpret anything that I say in two ways, and one of those ways makes you feel angry or upset, then I meant the other one, okay? <laughs> so how come I'm here this morning? Well, seven years ago, as, uh, as Ron was saying, I was in a real transitionary period of my life. I became a Christian 30 years ago in the United States on a camp for underprivileged children called Camp Lador in Pennsylvania. I had a radical encounter with the love of Jesus and it changed me forever. I wanted, like most people do or often do, to serve the Lord and I considered that the only way that I could really do that effectively was to go into what I considered to be full-time Christian ministry. So I decided that what I would want, that maybe what the best thing that I could do would be to go and to be an athletics director associated with a church, to go into youth ministry. And you know what? The Lord blocked every door, blocked every door until finally I applied for a job. I'd studied geology at university, somehow graduated. I'd spent most of my time on rugby and soccer pitches and I'd wasted the rest. And uh, that was a joke, by the way. You didn't get that one, did you? And uh, I graduated and I applied for one job in the equivalent of the Wall Street Journal. 400 applicants, and I got it. And after about three years, still considering that God would call me to real ministry, I figured out that I was not serving God in a way that was honoring to Him. I wasn't serving Him with my heart and my soul and my strength and loving Him and worshiping Him in that way. So I began to work, and I began to work hard, and I began to get promoted. And eventually, by the time I was 38, I was a director, a sales and marketing director for the UK division, $700 million in the UK. Uh, Lafarge Aggregates was the name of the company. And then by the age, of, at the age of 40, I was made redundant. And that in itself was not an issue. I was okay with that. What was really difficult was that, that I then spent two years out of work. And in those two years, God really dealt with me in a very significant way. He dealt with my self-life. He dealt with some of the motivators that I think that we all struggle with, money, status. You know, as a type A individual, I have to say that until that point, and I always believed that God had blessed me. I never really bought into the myth that I was who my career said I was. But one of the things that God did was he hid me away. And during those two years, he got my full attention. 
full attention, like a little uh, intransigent child in the corner where God says, you're staying there, you're staying there. And he got my head, and he like you do with little children when they're misbehaving, and you know you've got to make eye contact. And God slowly turned my head and said, I'm after you. I'm after you. And he broke the power of some things over my life, I believe. He broke the power of uh, status. He actually broke the power of money. And during that time, I was very privileged to be invited by a friend of mine called David Gardner to a generous giving event. This was seven years ago in London. At that time, I had, we had nothing. Our money was running out. We got to a stage where financially it looked like obliteration. My kids were in private school. I thought we might have to move house. And after two years, we really were looking at having to sell up. But God had said to me, you don't go into multi back into multinational life. You don't go back into construction materials. I've got something new for you. What I didn't figure on was that it would take two years for God to actually reveal that to me. That's a long time to wait, isn't it? And during that time, the Lord really made me trust him, made myself and my wife trust him. Towards the back end of those two years, I was rung up, bearing in mind that the Lord had said to me, don't go back into multinational life, don't go back into construction materials, everything that I had ever known. I mean, I was a dead man in many respects. That's why I told you that I, this issue to do with HSBC amazes me. Brothers and sisters, I can tell you, I don't regard myself as being a top entrepreneur in the UK, but it is extraordinary that in such a short period of time, the Lord would honor us in that way. Because seven years ago in London, I was a dead man. And part of what I want to do this morning, part of why I'm so thrilled to be over here, is that I learned about generosity from American Christians. It's a real privilege, first of all, to come back to the place where I was born again. Secondly, that when I was born again, I, somehow I had an understanding that generosity just reflects the heart of God. It's who He is. I could never understand it when I was playing rugby, why the Christians that I knew were always the last to the bar to buy a drink for the other players. They always seemed to be moaning about money. I never understood that. Wouldn't we want to be first to the bar? to buy our friends a drink. Now, I'm not talking about getting absolutely blotted every night. I'm talking about actually just being kind and generous and meeting them where they are. I never really got that. But I do remember a couple of things that happened when I was a really young Christian. One was that I was given. That was an interesting thing in its own right. I'd never been given anything in a church before. I was given a little plaque. I've still got it. It's so precious to me. This is when I was 18. I would have brought it with me, apart from the fact that I think it would have fallen apart. It's just a, a small wooden plaque, and on it it says, Romans 5.1. Therefore, being justified by faith in Christ, we have peace with God. So, therefore, being justified, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Sorry, misquoted that. It sits in my study. It's so precious to me. I took it home, I traveled around the states, he traveled across the states on a trailways bus, came all the way back, now takes pride of place in my studies. First thing that any Christian had ever given me. Only a really small thing, I bet it cost a dollar. Really valuable to me, it was very generous. I also heard about people in the United States who took 
people who were serving God out who didn't have very much money, just like the video that we, sh that we were shown this morning. And they bought their wives' clothes. They took them on a shopping spree because their wives could not afford it. And I thought, what a wonderful testimony. That'll make the world sit up and take notice. The last thing was David Gardner, a friend of mine who uh, invited me to the Generous Giving Conference. When I was just a young man, we went over to Paris and David was working for Electronic Arts at the time. He was the first guy I'd ever met with a platinum visa card. I was a really young man and David paid for the whole dinner. Now these are only small things, aren't they brothers and sisters, but what a massive impact that had on me as a young man. So back to my story, in those two years, I sat next to Hugh McClellan at that uh, generous giving the first night, the dinner, and I thought, I'd really like to do that. I want to create a company that is run on kingdom lines, on kingdom values, that has kingdom principles at the core of it, and has generosity of heart and spirit at the core of that business. And after those two years where, where nothing had budded, I mean absolutely nothing, and the money had run out, I walked into the company called Quadraline, not with, to, to talk about maybe doing a little bit of consultancy, I'd, I kind of guess I'd lost a lot of confidence by that stage. Not expecting very much, walked through the door, and the lady that I'd gone to see, who was there all the time in my personal orbit, she actually went to the same church. She said, I've been praying that God would send a Christian managing director to our company with two other people for the last five months, and I'm wondering if it's you. So I said, like all good Christians do, let me go away and think and pray about it, yes. It was very interesting that just five weeks before, I'd been rung up by a multinational company. They said, Andy, we have a role for you. It's not a director role, but it is a senior role within the company. It's car, pension, big salary. You'll get on the board pretty quickly. But you see, God had said to me, Andy, I want all of you. That's what he'd done with me in those last... He, he had put within my heart one determination only, and that was that I was going to serve him from now on. So if he said, you're not going back into multinational life, I couldn't. My blood ran cold. I said, Stuart, thank you very much. I really appreciate the call, but it's not what I'm looking for. I put the phone down. Oh, that hurt so much. I went home. I told my wife, I said, darling, you're not going to believe what I've done. I've just turned down this. And my wife, who is a wonderful Christian lady, I've no doubt she'll be praying for me right now. You know, behind every so-called successful man, there's a surprised and bewildered woman, isn't there? <laughs> She'll be praying for me right now. And she said, you know what? God will take care. God will take care of everything that we need. And just a matter of a few weeks later, I was in Quadraline. Now, during the time that I'd been playing rugby, I'd met a brother called Bob, and uh, Bob Newsom. He and I played rugby together, and he'd come to work for me at Lafarge, and we'd struck up a relationship. And during those two years, here's the really amazing thing. There are so many twists and tails in this story. He was made redundant six weeks before I was. When he told me he was in the same company, 
When he told me, I cried. I was more emotionally impacted by the fact that they'd got rid of Bob than I was when they, when they got rid of me. But we began to dream. We began to think, what would a kingdom business look like, Lord? What would kingdom principles in a business look like? What does it mean to have generosity of heart and spirit at the core of an organization? We came up with the name Dionysi, which means God is my banner. We came up with the values, we came up with the principles, and then we sat down and said, Lord, that's really, really great, but what about some products? <laughs> this is really true, this is absolutely true. And eventually I ended up going to Quadrilene, and within five weeks I rang Bob and I said, Bob, there's a big, this, this company was in serious trouble. I mean, that's why they needed a, a managing director to go in and sort it out. And within the first uh, 18 months, we lost $400,000. That's a lot of money. So there was a real turnaround required. But I called Bob and I said, Bob, I think, I think this may be the place where we need to, where we need to be. He came in, we turned the business around, and that's why it's so extraordinary. The Lord gave us some promises, you know. He said this, so we're a company of 28 people. That's it. So I'm not here today. There'll be people here who are running organizations that will be many, many, many times that size. I had a big argument with the Lord in South Africa, and I said, Lord, why are you asking me when my company is so small? What is it? I feel so inadequate in one way. It's not that we're not having success, we really are, but these guys that I'm talking to, they're, some of them are billionaires, some of them are millionaires. And the Lord said this to me, he said, you know what? That's part of the problem. Tell the story, because it's five loaves and two fishes in the hands of the king. That shut me up. That shut me up. And God has opened some amazing doors for me to be able to tell this story about the transformation that our company has gone through. Now we are able, um, when I was in Hong Kong, having, we turned the company around, we, we went into new sectors, we had a research and development division and we took our company from a company that was manufacturing cleaning products in the automotive sector, our top selling product, Poshy Washy Shampoo, nice name eh? Poshy Washy Car Shampoo, wouldn't you just use that on your sedan? But those markets were dying and we needed to go into new markets and the Lord led us into infection control. And he also said this, he said, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. Darkness is on the people, deep darkness, but the glory of the Lord rises over you. So we began to believe that maybe God had a purpose in all of this and maybe we needed to tell the story and maybe we needed to trust him and he would do extraordinary things. Not that we deserve it, but that he does and he is able. So we just followed after what the Lord said, and that led us, last year we won four awards, two national awards, one for outstanding achievement. The other was HSBC's business thinking competition. 3,000 applicants from all across the country, we got through to the final six. I thought we'd won, we were so close. Here's what I did, why I knew that the Lord was in it. We were out in Hong Kong, I had the three most senior bankers from HSBC in the room and they started to ask me what is so different about Quadrilene. There was Lord Digby Jones there, former president of the CBI, board director from uh, HSBC, head of the equivalent in the UK of the Wall Street Journal, 
These were the guys that were on the assessment panel. And this is what I told them. It's about business for the common good. And our business, as well as being, we believe, outstanding. Because you know what excellence glorifies the Lord Jesus, doesn't it? As well as being an excellent business, we have generosity at the heart of everything that we do. And I told them the percentage of our profit that we gave away. It was worth it to go to Hong Kong to see their face. I know that in the UK, there is a club called the Half a Percent Club. The Half, the Half a Percent Club did not really get off the ground because it couldn't get enough members. Half a percent was the percentage that corporations were giving away to philanthropic causes or charitable causes. That's a scandal really, isn't it? And when I told these guys, I saw them across the room look at each other and I went, yes. <laughs> we didn't win. I was really sad that we didn't win, not because I needed the ego trip, but because I really wanted to make some serious points about generosity at the heart of all that we do, not just the money that we give away, because that's just a part of it. What God wants is he wants all of me and all of you, and our money is just one expression of that. So brothers and sisters, I really want to encourage you this morning and to say, first of all, a big thank you to the generosity of American Christians. It affected one Brit and it affected my business partners. And now, by God's grace and help, I'm trying to infect other people.